3: Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 180 of Getting It Out Podcast. That was the Sniper's Gaze by Domination campaign. These guys are out of Tasmania they're a death metal duo and they got a new record coming out July 9th on Prosthetic and it's called Onward to Glory and this is, I don't know, maybe it's the first, maybe it's the second, maybe it's the latest single off that record. Single. Who's playing this on the radio? I don't know. But it's it's the latest release from this album and it's very cool. That riff kills in the beginning. It features Joe Haley, who you probably know from Psychroptic. It also features Jason Peppiat, who's also in Psychroptic. And uh but Joe Haley, not quite as well known as a drummer as his brother Dave Haley, who's a former Getting It Out podcast guest who was on here to talk about uh psychroptic and their album as the kingdom drowns a couple years ago which is crazy to say because that was like episode 40 something uh i had dave haley on to talk about psychroptic but these this is so these are two guys from psychroptic starting another band domination campaign and it's killer and onward to glory is awesome and that song you just heard the sniper's gaze is obviously great so what more do you want there's a music video out there for you if that's what you're thinking you can watch that instead um but yeah, that's it. So, so um, what does that have to do with this episode of the podcast? Well, this episode of the podcast also features another prosthetic records band, The Day of the Beast from Virginia Beach, Virginia, and we're going to talk all about that. And I'm going to talk to Steve and Steve, Steve Redmond, Steve Harris, to be exact, from that band. And uh, let's just let's just get into it right now. Cue up that Hot Zone.
0: Damn, what's good all you bitches and ass? It's the illustrious hot dog. Back at it again with another podcast intro. He said, oh, you want to do a podcast intro for the Get It Out podcast? I said, oh, shit, I gotta write a rap first, don't I? He said, no, you don't gotta write a rap first. It's a hardcore podcast. I said, all right, I think I can maybe make that happen. Let's see what we can do. Kick it. Make family and a friends. Make friends out of Shoot my family, make friends till they bury me. all the places we've been We're never sitting it out We'll be getting it in, why you getting it out? I in all the places we've been We're never sitting it out We'll be getting it in, why you getting it out? Get in, in out! Alright motherfuckers, you're in the right place at the right time Rest in peace, Chain Money and LFTW forever!
3: Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Glad you're back here with me again. Um, it's the day after Independence Day, the fourth of July. It's July fifth. If you're listening to this, as it came out, um, and I only bring up that date because of the intro that you just heard. Now, you, if you, if you're regular listening to the podcast, you're familiar with the with the intro from Hot Zone there. And at the end of it, it says, "Rest in peace, J Money, NLFTW, forever." And uh, this time around, I think I should point out what's happening there. I don't know if I've ever actually done that before. That is saying, rest in peace, J Money. His name is Jason Calhoun. He died two years ago this weekend uh, of suicide. And uh, that's not something that usually gets acknowledged at the time. I even did a couple of uh, podcasts where we promoted the, uh, the benefit shows for uh, him and his family. And uh, I don't know that we ever said what that was, and I understand why you don't acknowledge it at the time, but uh, I think it's important that eventually you do, and this time of year, although, you know, it's it's literally my favorite holiday, July 4th is my favorite holiday of the year, because it's not really tied to anything other than fucking Independence Day, but who gives a shit, really, um, it's just about having fun and being laid back, and uh, unfortunately, it's also a date that correlates with the death of one of my good friends, and... As I said, deaths that are from suicide and usually overdose too, you're not told what happened when they happened and you're kind of left to put the pieces together and I understand the privacy parts of that, but I think those are also the two most important things that need to be known um, because people need to know how much of a problem it is and what that they and themselves are both their own epidemics, especially in times that we're currently in. I mean, the shit's awful and it's not easy for anyone but we really do need to just accept it, acknowledge it, reach out. And, and, the, and the most important thing, of course, is just talk to people. <laughs> Sometimes it's all, that all, that's all it takes. And we always talk about how easy that is. Um, but it's also really hard to do too. It's hard as shit, especially if you're socially awkward, to just call somebody up and say hello. Send a text, send a voice note, do whatever. Just say hello to somebody you haven't talked to in a while this week. Uh, you know, it, it goes a long way somehow, some way, more than you'd ever expect, more than you'd ever want to know. Uh, you have no idea how much you can help somebody. I lost a lot of people in my life from suicide and overdose, and uh, I think not all of them are, are preventable. But uh, you know, who knows? It's worth a shot. Okay, so enough of that sad shit. I hope you drank drinks. I hope you ex- made explosions in the sky with your little fireworkies. And I hope you enjoyed your holiday weekend. And if not, if you're from another part of the world, I hope you enjoyed your weekend still. This episode, as I mentioned, features an interview with the Day of the Beasts. Two members to be exact, Steve Harris and Steve Redman. First, let's check out their track, Disturbing Roars at Twilight. And then let's get into my talk with these two fellas. Well, fellas, um, Steve and Steve—that's—that's that's easy for me. I appreciate yeah, that.
2: Yeah, it won't confuse anybody. Yeah,
3: <laughs> my name's Dan, by the way. Um, so, How you thanks. doing, Dan? What nice to on, meet man. you.
2: Thanks for having us.
3: Yeah, absolutely. i um, Gladly, glad to have you guys. Uh, listen to this new record, in, and I'm gonna—I'm gonna, I'm gonna f- stumble over it every time I try to say it. Indisputably car- carnivorous, Carnivus? It is
2: Kind of a weird thing to say phonetically. <laughs>
1: Doesn't
3: roll off the tongue very well. Yeah, that was my that was my bad. Sorry, guys. <laughs> nah, it's all right. That's that's good. It's uh, but I do I like I like the title of it though. It's a very very cool sounding record. Um, and Thank it, you. yeah. Um, so I gotta tell you, I wasn't totally familiar with the Day of the Beast until very recently. So if you could just give me the basic Day of the Beast, where did it, where did the Day of the Beast come from?
2: Uh, the Day of the Beast was started by Casey Raider and Eric Barlow, and they were the two original guitarists. And they, uh, they were jamming out some thrash songs with another drummer named, I think they were all in a band together called Clandestine in like, the North Virginia, Virginia Beach area. Yeah, I think they did death metal, and they wanted to go kind of a thrashier route. And I think they started a new project. And I ran into uh, I ran into a gentleman at a at a local record store that sells like punk and metal records, uh, Skinny's Records. And I met just like one day, just out of like happenstance. I went in there, and uh, Joe Frost was in there, and he was the I he was doing a preliminary we'll say yeah preliminary bass duties for the band before we actually got like a proper bass player yeah and he was we were just like kind of shooting the shit while i was in there and he told me he told me about like his thrash band was looking at a vocalist and looking to get a vocalist and i told him yeah sure i fuck around with screaming in my car and shit like that so yeah fuck it i'll come <laughs> down i was kind of being i was kind of being flipping i was kind of just trying to eat conversation and then i guess he he passed the word over to the guitarist who Proceeded to blow up my MySpace about it back in the day <laughs> and just like pester me to come on out. So, you know, I, I came I came running out and that was that.
3: Did he entice you with adding you to his top eight? Was that at all in the in the cards?
2: Well, I hadn't quite hit that level yet, oh. but I <laughs> figured that would be a good way to weasel myself into
3: it. <laughs> this is important. The top eight, man.
2: Yeah, man. And it was great because you were always able to tell whenever your friends were going through shit because they would take everybody out of their top eight and they would put hands in it.
1: That's like super dramatic that was like so dramatic.
2: Yeah, that was like a man you had to call your buddy and be like, dude, are you okay, man? You, you got like nine inch nails as your number one friend. Come on, that, man.
3: That's funny. The 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 MySpace days alone are funny. But I guess that's we're just living a different version of that now anyway, so not- hey man, humble yeah. beginnings from everybody. Yeah, yeah. So, so what year is this? Maybe you mentioned it, but what year? I, I know when you guys have your first recorded stuff, but when? What year did you actually get together?
2: This is two thousand seven, but I think according to canon, we started in two thousand six. But I, I can't really confirm the validity of that. But what? Like, I definitely. Yeah, yeah, the first time I went to. First time I ever went to a day of the Beast practice and met the guys was two thousand and
3: seven for sure. was that the name? was the day of the Beast the name of the band from the beginning?
2: Right. yeah, I already knew what the band's name was it's it's a uh, the band name is named after the the horror movie, the Spanish horror movie.
3: I'm not familiar with it, but yeah, that's because that's because I'm a giant yeah. pussy about horror movies, and uh, I don't watch them unless I'm watching them oh, with my wife because she gets more scared than I do, and that makes me feel cool. better.
2: Well, it worked out kind of cool at the beginning because they already had T-shirts for the movie, so those were those were kind of like our our bootleg kind of unofficial T-shirts for a little while until we got real
3: T-shirts. Nice. So, is there a, is there an official? Is there a day of the Beast? Is like on the calendar? Can I like circle it?
2: It's every day, man. Oh
3: Jesus, that's that's a big circle.
2: It's a heavy workload, man. No days <laughs> off.
3: <laughs> all right, so so when you started it, you know, you kind of you kind of said what what sound they were going for. But like when I listen to the band now, there's uh, there's a whole there's a whole bunch of, I don't know what would you say, like a whole bunch of subgenres of of metal that I hear in there that I could pick things out of. Um, was there a primary direction that the band was supposed to go in when it all came together and has it changed much since 2007, eight, six, whatever?
2: we were definitely going for the black thrash kind of sound. Like we kind of wanted to be like, um, like a version of kind of like the crown or God dethroned where it wasn't like, where it had like enough of the death metal elements in it and it was still like fast and aggressive and it was melodic, but kind of tastefully done not to where it was just kind of overly pretty or anything, you know, we wanted to keep that rawness of it. It was, And especially um, our original guitarist, KC, he was he was he was the biggest black metal guy out of all of us. So I think he he left he left the band like amicably and kind kind of that was like the last real link to us being a black thrash band. And ever since he left, it kind of got because the rest of us were more death metal guys and we kind of stepped more towards death metal as each album progressed after he'd left the band. But we'd still we'd still kept a lot of the uh, the you know um, bits and pieces of the black metal stuff too, which you know is cool. It makes for kind of a unique sound in some ways.
3: Yeah, for sure. There's definitely a, com- a combination of things going on here, and uh, and like I mean the, the obvious the obvious inspirations that I hear or um, c- you know calls to genres that I hear the, the the black the death the thrash all the things that, that you said. Yep. Is there anything um, underlying? that you think is in there that someone like a casual listener or someone like myself who's just kind of getting into the band isn't going to recognize? Is there, a, is there an influence for the Day of the Beast or maybe just you personally or either of you personally that you put into this that uh, that isn't so obvious?
2: I don't know. Um, a lot of people compare my vocals to Jeff Walker from Carcass, which as much as I like Carcass, they're not really an influence on me as far as like, my vocal style and what I want to do musically or anything. So it's kind of funny how like 99.8% of every review I've ever read for the, any album we did compare me to Jeff Walker. I'm really kind of like, I wanted to go for more like Paul Bailoff. Like if Paul Bailoff listened to some of those Legion era Marduk albums, kind of like how he would adjust his vocal style after doing that. That's definitely more like what I'm going for. But if people want to get Jeff, people want to, pull Jeff Walker out of that and say that's what it sounds like. I'm definitely not insulted or anything.
1: <laughs> Dude, I kind of feel like when I read reviews for other bands, <clears throat> lots of other bands, I think Carcass is just a very common band to compare bands to. I don't know. Sure. I mean, and I, and I do actually, the more I've read these reviews and the more I listen to our album, I'm like, yeah, I hear it a little bit, even in the music, I hear it a little bit. Um, It wasn't necessarily intentional, but I mean, Carcass is, I mean I've always loved Carcass but I never really tried to sound
3: exactly like Carcass or anything. Sure, well, I can hear I can I can hear well, all the things. I can hear the Jeff Walker thing and I can hear the Carcass in the music too. But Carcass has a couple of different sounds. So that's a pretty that's a pretty broad, you know, scope with when you say Carcass. I know I think we all think of the same type of oh, yeah. stuff. But uh, but yeah, you can pretty much say you know that's like saying I don't know who's another band who's had a couple different phases where you can be like oh it sounds like this and that could be like any any subgenre of uh, heavy metal but but the, fuck it the carcass is carcass is a is a fine uh, comparison whether it's sure. accurate or not that's good no, company no you know?
2: insults here yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah, I mean, yeah that's cool with me so um before we get into this record I just want to do a little more a little more uh, history what the the the, the the logo you guys got a pretty interesting logo, and uh, I know like you know logos are important in metal, specific specifically thrash and death metal, black metal even. But uh, what the fuck is going on in your logo? It's like there's there's there seems like there's like you got the, you got almost got the symmetry, but not quite. And there's a couple of uh, characters in there. What's happening on this thing, and where did it come from? Who made it?
2: It it was made by a gentleman named Christoph who. Um... Who does who does logos for like a lot of pretty well known bands? He's a, I think he did. I almost want to say he did Emperor's logo, but that feels like something I would be horrendously wrong about. But I want to. That's all right. Let's just make it a Emperor. fact.
3: Let's just let's just say it happened. We don't. He yeah, it.
2: fuck it. He made Emperor's <laughs> logo. But he's 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 like anybody else. He's like Joe Patango or whatever. You can just hit him up and he'll 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 help out anybody. So fucking, he gave us a cool logo, and we told him some of our some of our uh, lyrical themes and he put like this cool little un- undertaker guy with a shovel and there's, there's bats flying out and there's the cool little little chapel in the middle of it that kind of like splits everything in half it was like like you said it's it's symmetrical but it's Ooh, got but like the little yeah. things on each side that kind of make it stand out on its own i'm into it i've always liked it it used to have a lot more thorns in it back when we were more black metal influenced but over the years, we got rid of the rid of the thorns and kind of just made it spiky and bony looking.
3: That's good, because you don't want people seeing your logo and thinking, that's a bunch of pricks.
2: Yeah, and plus... Did <laughs> it-
3: <laughs> you get that great joke? It was a good that. Way. Yeah, all right, good. Thank you.
2: Plus, it was really hard for uh, screen printers to do that logo with all the extra shit going
3: on in it. Well, screen printers are the worst printers there are. So, as someone in the printing industry, let me just say uh, some complaints about the screen printers um i'm kidding i don't have any complaints about the sc- screen printers but <laughs> but but i do actually from from a screen printing standpoint, from knowing how to screen print that i can see how that would be an issue so that's a that that actually makes a lot of sense i think so yeah it, it really does um so oh, it absolutely does yeah so um you guys have been doing this now for several years you've been looking at your discography you've, you've You've got a few. How many? How many actual full lengths is there? Is it just four, or is there more? Four. There's
2: there's four, and then one EP.
3: Okay, all right. So I, I, see, I see all the right stuff. I see you've uh, you've done some stuff with uh, Horror Pain Gore Death, um, yes. which which is the I love the I, I don't even love everything that comes out on that label. I just love that that label exists. <laughs> just... Yeah, Mike's a really cool guy. <laughs> yeah. and he
2: has fantastic taste in metal, and yeah. it was cool working with him.
3: And you did some things with uh, I'm going to say this wrong too. Can, canonical, can, canonical, canonical, canonical hours. Yeah. hours. <laughs> For, uh, yeah.
2: That's our man Allen down there in, in uh, Richmond. I keep wanting to say Newport News. I'm not used to the fact that he lives in Richmond now. Yeah, but yeah. He was a big, a big help to us. Uh, first two albums.
3: Awesome. Yeah. So and so you guys, you guys did all that, but now you're, you're. I don't know how many years is it now? Let's say fifty. Let's just say 15 years later. Yeah, and, just about. Uh, that's and you're insane. putting out your uh, first full length with uh, with prosthetic records um Steve I know you got a little bit of relation with uh, relationship with prosthetic from your other band is that how the day of the beast ended up here or what happened
1: yeah uh, pretty much I mean uh, for token was signed and then you know the day of the beast we had been working on we had like a whole album's worth of material or we so I was like yeah would you guys be a cool with that if I sent it sent it to him, to Steve Joe at Prosthetic. And uh, so I sent it over to him and was like, what do you guys think of this?
3: And they loved it and they wanted to release it. So that's pretty much how that happened. That's awesome. And uh, it's a great great connection to have. And you know, I I've had a I've had a few prosthetic bands on here over the last year or so. And obviously <laughs> well I guess it makes sense that I, you would only hear good things. Um, you know, when people reach out to them. But I actually had other bands on here who aren't on Prosthetic, who talk about the things that Prosthetic helps them with. And uh, it just seems like a, such a cool label to be a part of. And uh, I, w- w- the thing that I particularly like about this Prosthetic Records, about that label, is the diversity in it. When I, I had Katan on here recently, who doesn't sound a whole lot like you guys, I had... Um, ACXDC, who's you know fucking power violence. That's that's nothing yeah. like you know Sermon from England, who's you know just prog shit. Um, but I I, lo- I love the diversity of the of the label.
1: Uh, they have so much, yeah. They have so much, so many different types of bands on there.
3: It's kind of a pain um, in the ass to try to keep up with it, to be honest. But you know, but that's yeah. that's that's a good thing.
1: They're all super nice. Like everyone I've talked to from Prosthetic has been so cool and so nice and so supportive of everything. So. Um, it's been it's been
3: awesome. Awesome. Well, so that, of course, brings us to this record that I can't say. Indisputably <laughs> c- carnivorous. Car- Did I get it? Yes, that was, that was correct. Alright, cool. So uh, this record's been out for a week now. Um, right? Oh, just a little not quite, maybe? June 18th? A week tomorrow. Yeah, so tomorrow. how... I mean, I know you had some quote-unquote singles come out, you know, leading up to it, but how how how's the feedback been since this record has been out the whole way?
1: I mean it's been awesome. Uh we're basically a carcass cover band. Uh <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, it's really it's actually been really good. Uh all the reviews we've seen have been have been great. Um I mean, even the ones that weren't so great weren't bad. <laughs> yeah. You know. Uh there are complaints where, you know, it sounds like a death thrash band, you know that's that's their complaint
3: basically it's not a bad it story. sounds
1: like death thrash i'm not really into it so i'm going to give them this rating i'm
2: like oh, okay there was cool. the one guy who's just like man all their songs are just they're too fast and they're just too relentless and say. what do
1: you what do you want that's, us to do about that's that? the sounds idea like right the entire, point, yeah. the entire point of the album <laughs> well,
3: that's funny but i could could say for sure as a as a person who used to write and still does sometimes write record reviews People who review records don't have a fucking clue what they're talking about, um, myself included. And a lot of it has to do with the mood. <laughs> and, uh, and sometimes it, I, I used to write really, really mean, terrible, like really mean record reviews. And I totally, I really do regret doing it. I did that shit for like, like 10 years. And I, I wish I hadn't because, uh, because, well, I think it's cool to, to put like something critical down. And be like, hey, this, you know, I don't, I don't like it because of this. It's totally dickheaded to just tear it apart. Um, but, but I know for for bands that sometimes, if you go into the right headspace, reading a negative review can actually, you know, enlighten you a little bit. Um, is there has there been anything that that reviewers have pointed out on the negative side that you thought, huh, that's a good point? Let's, let's change I, that. I would
1: say. I would say a lot of people said it was too long or too many songs. And I don't know if that just has to do with the way media is consumed nowadays. Everyone's got such short attention spans. Maybe 10 songs was too much. Uh, and you know, people say some of the songs start to sound the same. they start to blend together or whatever. I mean, that's, that's the main complaint, but it's funny because I know I talked to Steve about this too. Um, we were both thinking people would think that the songs were too different, but (laughs) when when we put it out, everyone's like, Oh, well, it just kind of blends together. And uh, so, yeah, it's, I mean, I don't really know what to do about that. I mean, we, we write
2: like the only reason anybody would ever say that it blends together is because it's just so fast and there's a lot of things going on in it.
1: There's no, I mean, I guess there really is no break. If you're looking for a break, there really isn't a break. I mean, right. to me, a break would be a mid-paced, a mid-paced heavy song as mm-hmm. opposed to like a really fast fucking, you know, insane blast beat song. But that's, you know, that's the way I look at it for sure. sure.
2: I mean, if it was up to me, I would hear those criticisms and I would just push the next record to like 300 BPMs. <laughs> every
1: single song.
3: Yeah, I mean, it really it <laughs> so doesn't
2: bother me. With that kind of feedback is I just want to go even faster and even heavier for the next one.
3: For sure. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I agree with you. Uh, Steve, what you were saying about the the uh, the way that people listen to music now, the attention spans. Because I talk about this all the time, but I want to listen to fucking albums. I always want to listen to albums. I, I I have a hard time with uh, like playlists and you, you, like I don't know. I just like I want to I want to take it all in as one. And um, I think I think that's the way that I initially heard this whole record was as one thing and I don't know that's just to me it's just because like you said like you guys are saying you want it to be you want it to be fast you want it to be an attack and that's exactly the way it sounds and it doesn't let up and I think that's that's its strength um definitely not a not a weakness but whatever you know like you said some people want some uh they want they want a break and uh, I don't think that's here and I think that's fine um so how much of this record is you know over the last uh, over the last year and whatever? How much of this record was a product of the pandemic? Was it written, recorded in that time? Was it before, or after? What's? I guess it can't be after, but yeah.
1: I mean, I can't speak for Steve on like the lyric side, uh, but I feel like for us, a lot of that was written before, like pre-pandemic. Um, I mean, maybe for I mean, we kind of like split the songs up, like Bobby you know the other guitarist he wrote like five songs i wrote five songs and we kind of brought them together and um but most of the ones i wrote were pre-pandemic we just kind of had them had them around for a while the pandemic gave us a lot of time to really uh learn about recording basically and and uh drum production and all that stuff um so that was kind of that was good but as far as lyrics go, I mean, I don't know. Steve, did you write any of those? I wrote everything on a bartender
3: Suppluded.
2: fucking cocktail napkin with a hooker's <laughs> lipstick about two days before I recorded.
3: That's that's the way to do it. I yeah,
2: yeah, I had like backwards R's and everything because I was so drunk. <laughs>
3: <laughs> or so <laughs> no, in the corn.
1: Yeah, you're really into the band
3: corn. looked so like yeah.
1: not get carried away here. <laughs>
3: Well, Steve. Uh, well, so I guess I should be more specific when I say Steve, the other Steve. Um, you, your lyrics and the themes in this record are all based off of different writers and tales, right? Yes, correct. Is that all right? You, first of all, you're going to have to tell me more about that. But, but before I, before you do that, is that easier than coming up with your own, or is it harder to write based off of somebody else's? I don't well, know words.
2: This- this album is actually the first time that I didn't like I have a song that wasn't directly taken from like some sort of movie or book. Mm-hmm. And that's Corruptor and Festor. That was the first song, right? Completely, yeah, yeah, yeah. The opening song, and that's completely from my own imagination. Now it's 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 based it's based off of things like the thing and alien and str- even a little bit of of uh, Stranger Things. With the well, at least when it comes to that whole like '80s Cold War Russian space wars kind of angle yeah. to it, and so yeah, I drew a little bit of inspiration from that. But that's yeah, that's all from my imagination. And then, um, then the other uh, the other songs kind of take off with like a little bit more of a focused like literary direction: Claude Barker, uh, Bram Stoker, uh, Lovecraft, obviously, uh, fucking the Bible. The cool parts of the Bible, <laughs> fucking the Bible, God the
3: <laughs> That's a wild book.
1: It is
3: fucking, fucking crazy. Fast. Yeah. So, uh, all right. So, I I, have, I just have a question about the the Lovecraft, the Barker, all that stuff. See, I've I've been listening to metal my whole life, and um, I've heard you know so many bands reference it, so much artwork, um, but. I've never read anything from either of them. What convince me? What am I missing? Why should why should I get into that?
2: From from Bram Stoker or or uh, Lovecraft? Either one. Lovecraft is just like if you don't like Lovecraft, then like just don't read horror ever because that's like the blueprint, pretty much. Like just fucking how you how you build all how you just build those like bizarre ass worlds on top of like. What we know in our world, like, it's, just, it's fucking spectacular how he does that. Graham Stoker wrote Dracula, and um, the book itself is fine. It, I actually, believe it or not, it's one of the few things that I think I prefer the movie adaptations to more than the book. Yeah. Like, uh, the Bela Lugosi film, the fucking Coppola film... Nosferatu, that's one of my favorite like just horror movie icons, horror anything ever. The whole like Nosferatu thing and fucking the uh, yeah, the original one from the uh the 20s the silent film and then the remake in 79 just fucking spectacular.
3: Yeah, that's a creepy dude. Why doesn't any movie make anybody as creepy as that anymore? It it's is super fucking, it's, fucking
2: the creepy. creepy. Mark set to man. <laughs> Imagine seeing that shit in the 20s when, like,
3: movies, especially even horror
2: movies, that's not even normal. And you're just watching this thing, and then fucking that Max Shrek comes out with those big ass pointy ears and those fucking rat teeth. Just fucking terrifying, man. He's like eight feet tall. Goddamn.
3: You got, I mean, you got to imagine most people that saw it believed it, right? Absolutely. Uh, because. They had to.
2: At least, well, it's a certain sect of the population had to.
3: Right. Like, I don't know. How old are you guys? What are your ages?
1: I'm thirty-five. Thirty-five. Thirty five. Okay. I'll
3: be so, thirty six next month actually. Okay, so I'm so I am thirty-six right now. Alright, so we're right right at the same age. So you like so you guys probably remember a time when uh, you could have been convinced that Bat Boy was real because he was on the cover of that tabloid, right?
2: Absolutely. Fucking I was actually <laughs> thinking about that the other I'm day. I'm still convinced.
3: Because,
2: <laughs> like when I was a little kid, like a little little kid going grocery shopping with my mom. And we were in the checkout line. All those tabloids were right there. Like, right there, just perfectly, like, on the eye level of a nine-year-old. Just like, what (laughs) the fuck?
3: Right, so, so, I I, I don't remember, like, I don't remember, like, a strong adult influence ever being like, that shit's not real. I think they were, I think they thought it was real, too. And maybe that's just, like, my, you know, nine, ten-year-old mind. But, yeah, I
2: think... There was a market for it.
3: I think if we go back, you know, 20, 25 years or whatever, whatever that math, however that math works out, that people were believing in bad boys. So, uh, so a hundred years ago, Nosferatu definitely had to be believable. That's just, that's I all mean, I'm trying to say. Two
2: days ago, I saw somebody talk about how the the COVID vaccine is, is, is to implant microchips into you. So people still <laughs> believe plenty of bullshit. <laughs>
3: That's fun. That's the, That's a fun one.
2: Grown ass adults still believe plenty of bullshit. I,
3: I got my microchip. I got mine too. Yeah, <clears throat> I don't mind if you don't either, but I got mine. Um, I definitely so, got mine. <laughs> so, um, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I know. I know a lot about um, the Virginia Beach hardcore scene, uh, just from friends and people I've known through years. But I don't know. A lot about the Virginia Beach metal scene. How different are these two things, and what's and, and what's the state of it?
1: I mean, I could say just from memories. Um, I mean, there were a lot of. I, I remember when metalcore was like a huge thing. Yeah, and it was kind of like you would go to shows, and it would be like death metal kids and like hardcore kids, and they would just like fight each other because. Right. the death metal kids Trives. want to stand there with their arms crossed and the hardcore kids want to swing their arms and then like one death metal kid would get hit in the face and all of a sudden there's like a brawl um, as far as the state of it now I mean I really don't know honestly uh, we, we play a lot I feel like we play more away from this area than we do actually in the area and wouldn't you say that Steve I mean we play in Maryland and D.C.
2: Um, yeah, DC, like the whole like DC, Baltimore, Frederick triangle, definitely kind of like our second home base for sure.
3: Okay, I'm super familiar with that area too. I lived in Baltimore for a long time, and uh, All right, so, and so you guys would play like, would it be like uh, Cafe Six One One in Frederick or where or wherever in Baltimore? Just because you we have a Fred- show
1: there, like coming up, didn't we book a show there?
2: Yeah, that's where the album release party is going to be. Oh, yeah.
3: so I didn't see it. Was it booked through Extremity Retained?
2: It was not. It was nah. booked through me and some other random dude. who's just,
3: just trying to throw guesses together.
2: I do and can get dates better than I can.
3: Nice, nice. Okay, so.
2: But like, like I, I live in Frederick, so I'm right down the road from there. So I figured, fuck it, make it easier for me. And besides everything in D.C. and Baltimore is booked up anyway, because so, we were too slow on the. We're, well, I was, I was, I would have booked it a long time ago, but we didn't know what the status of live shows were going to be later on in the year. And then, out of nowhere, there's all these like show flyers again, like, "Oh fuck, we gotta book this show really quickly."
3: Yeah, it did kind of come out of nowhere, didn't it? Like, like we were yep. all waiting for it, and then all of a sudden, like my wife and I were looking at shows, and we're just like, "Holy shit, we can't keep up." The only things that I bought tickets for so far is Judas Priest. Um, Me too. Yeah, because <laughs> like, like, there's there's too much there's too much other stuff, and uh, that one is like, all right, I need to. go, That's one of those bands that uh, that I've supposed I've, I I never went to see. I've never seen them before because I always think I'll just see them next time, and then I realized you, all all the bands I did too, that with have died. Like all the yeah. bands that I said I was going to do that with have died, and I never got the chance to. So this time around, it's like, all right, we can't fuck around this time.
1: That's exactly how I am. I was like, I've never seen Judas Priest. And I was like, I gotta see him this time. They've come here a million times. The drummer is actually from Norfolk, Scott Travis. Oh, I did which not is know that. Completely fucking random because they're from England.
3: Yeah, but, Birmingham, yeah, Birmingham, England, right?
1: But yeah, uh, Scott Travis is. I'm pretty sure he lives in Norfolk, actually.
3: Wow, um, nice Virginia anecdote there.
1: Yeah, <laughs> a bunch of the local old school. A lot of these guys playing cover bands now and shit, and play like eighties hair metal shit around here, but like my uncle plays bass and a cover band around here, but he knows Scott Travis. Like they all fucking know him. Um, it's pretty, pretty random and pretty crazy.
3: That's pretty cool. Fun fact. Yeah. That's, that's pretty awesome. Judas priest is of course one of the best ever. Um, but so, all right. So before we go off on a Judas priest thing, um, <laughs> you guys did a video for enter the witch house which was also on a like a two song EP that you just did. Why why did you choose and I think you re-recorded it for the for the record? Why why did you choose to do that and how did like what what about this song stands out to you that you gave it the whole treatment?
2: Because it's a lot easier to make a video about witches than it is to make a video about Lovecraftian abominations <laughs> That's of like, true. God, <laughs> on, like down to the fucking heavens.
3: That's a great point. A great... The
2: fucking cosmos just like annihilating everything in their path. So yeah, witches are a little bit cheaper and more budget friendly. <laughs> we we'll have to hire Pixar
1: for that one.
3: Yeah, no. Well, you guys did a good job with the video, and you know now nowadays when I click on a uh, video link for a metal band, I'm afraid it's just going to be them standing in an abandoned warehouse or in the woods playing. And uh, you guys actually had a little bit of a storyline to yours and uh, made it interesting. So kudos for you for doing that because that seems to not be the case all the time with metal videos.
1: That was all in Steve's brain. He was the
2: oh yeah all the all the story elements that
1: was all that was all my idea.
3: Do you um, have do you well, have a oh sorry go ahead go ahead.
2: Well here's the well this is cool but like it didn't it didn't quite work out how I wanted it to work out but like a, a cool bit of trivia is. You know the you know the Blair Witch project, the original one from nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. There's there's a scene at the very beginning where they're interviewing the townsfolk, and there's a scene where the mom is holding a baby and they interview them and the drummer of my other band, Grotto of Lords, is actually engaged to that baby. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I think that's illegal.
2: Well, believe it or not, it's uh, it's 2021 and anything goes. But uh, <laughs> he is he is indeed engaged to that baby. Who's by the way, that was a joke, and she's all grown up.
3: But okay. Yeah. There,
2: yes. So, so like I, we jam at their house like all the time. We jam in his girlfriend's house all the time. And I said, well, fuck it, we'll do a, we'll do like like the Michael Jackson Thriller video where they kind of turn it into a full little mini movie. Yeah. And we said, fuck it, I'll interview. Uh, Susie and Ingrid about we'll, we'll pretend it's a twenty five year later follow up to Blair Witch Project without actually saying Blair Witch Project, and so we shot that and it wound up it wound up not making it onto the music video. The director didn't like something about the lighting. I thought it looked fine personally. Yeah, but we're still we're still gonna keep the footage as like an Easter egg and a promotional tool for it. But like that was that was kind of like the i like where i got all the ideas for the video from is like we'll make it like a like blair witch project has a sequel but it it, no one likes it and it doesn't count so i was almost like man this could be like a canonical sequel to blair witch without actually ever saying blair witch because we're right up here in maryland burkittsville is about 25 minutes from me
3: yeah a friend of mine was in blair witch actually
2: uh, <laughs> no shit awesome yeah okay i wish we would have known each other beforehand i could have gotten money <laughs> in here possibly
3: yeah you, you could have got
2: whole crew out here but that was uh that was where we were going with it we have we do have like the interview recorded we're gonna eventually release that as a as like a little promotional tool or a little easter egg or something i think it'll be fun i think a lot of people like it like yeah, old that's school really cool that's a family. cool
1: idea it's funny because i didn't you didn't tell me that until now but uh Steve Joe from Prosthetic was like, "Yeah, well, we can reuse that footage if you guys want to keep it." And so, because I told him that the interview didn't make it into the video, and uh, he had that suggestion too, so that's cool. Cool idea.
3: Well, that's that's very cool. That's there's there's a, there's a lot to that. Well, which brings me to a to a conversation I was having the other day, actually, and I just randomly asked a friend of mine because I know he's a big fan, but he's going off of music videos. What? You know we're all the same age. So, what to you guys were like the big music videos? Because we we did grow up in the era where there was still music videos on TV. What was your favorite? Do you remember?
1: I'm trying to think now. Okay, maybe I feel like I remember the White Zombie video for Thunder Kiss '65. If we're talking like metal slash rock
3: type type stuff, talking whatever, yeah, that, that, that's that's a Alan good one from what, from what I remember. I, I I can I can recall it, which it's is a really, good sign. Yeah, it's interesting and
1: unique. Um, I mean, I would say something like, "Oh, death," for you know, uh, the band Death. But like, I was a little fucking kid and <laughs> I wasn't into death metal yet. So,
3: oh, come on, <laughs> you can lie your way to credibility. Yeah. I was
1: bored with a death t shirt on. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. One one that always stands out for me is uh, Scorpion's music video for the song uh I'm Leaving You. Yeah. Just like a bunch of, of like, you know, hot eighties metal babes playing softball. And like the Scorpions tour bus fucking drives by and they all just like throw their gloves down and throw their gear off and just start like chasing after the bus. <laughs> <laughs> I don't That's not a music video, man.
3: I don't remember that one at all, but I do love the Scorpions. I love the Scorpions, and uh, I went to see them somewhat recently with Megadeth, and they were fucking incredible still, but anyway, but the Scorpions have a, a lot of creepy shit going on on their uh, album covers, uh, a lot yeah,
2: of... <laughs> yeah, I would say so. Yeah. I think well, Germany had a little bit of a an odd thing going on there in the... In the 80s, like you look at the fucking like Virgin Killer album cover and you're like, wow, that's whew, I don't know,
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think the other one, the other one that's a little sketchy, maybe I'm remembering it wrong, uh, Animal Magnetism, um, has yeah, some... with the
2: dog, that's, that's probably my favorite Scorpions album, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
3: But,
2: uh, yeah that, that I don't think that album cover would fly today. Well, the whole the whole Spinal Tap, like Smell the Glove segment, oh, I yeah, think that whole that whole segment was like a parody of. Scorpion's album covers.
3: <laughs> it's it's it was uh, definitely a different time. Uh w- w- obviously predates us, but uh so we can't be blamed for it, but uh but they did write some good music.
2: I'd say so. They're they're actually a bigger influence on my vocals than than carcasses. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well hopefully At least when
2: it comes to like coming up with the hooks.
3: Yeah, yeah. I'm oh, a firm
2: believer that death metal and black metal can still have hooks.
3: Absolutely. And that's that's something that I find uh, interesting about you guys. And I don't think, I you know, I think there's a propensity for people into black death metal, whatever extreme metal, to just want to be as fucking extreme as possible all the time. And uh, they lose a lot in that. But but whatever. I guess there's scene points of a certain of a certain kind that they're collecting.
1: Fuck it, man. Drag them in. <laughs> Yeah. I always get mad when I'm listening to a song and they don't repeat a cool ass riff with a badass hook. I feel like when I was younger, I was all about, because I mean, I, I used to play, actually when the Day of the Beast started, before I joined the Day of the Beast, I used to play a lot of shows with them in my other band, Sayega, which is like a tech death band. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I was like all about some like, yeah, how many riffs can we fit into one song in four minutes? Like, we don't need to repeat shit. Like, this is stupid. Why would we, why would we repeat anything? Um, and something I was thinking about but like the older I get the more I think about it and I'm like man like when you hear a cool ass part in a song with a hook when it doesn't you know come up again in the song it kind of pisses you off it's like <laughs> man I really fucking like that part
3: yeah there's but, there's a uh, I don't know I. Uh, that kind of leads me to uh, uh, we, uh, something I, I bring up not often, but every now and then, which I don't understand, and maybe you guys have a have an opinion on this. But like you know how we obviously had the the big four of thrash, and they were able to break out in the ways that they did, which was kind of individual for each of them. But like nobody else, like nobody else even got close. So like who would you say got the, the least farthest out of the four of them? Anthrax probably, and. Nobody else even got close to Anthrax, and I and it's like a thing that I've been wondering forever. Like, what? Why not? <laughs> like, there were so many good thrash bands back then, but nobody could even get close to what those four happened. Do you guys have any theories here?
2: I would say like Testament and Exodus got kind of close, close to yeah, Anthrax Exodus. though. Like Exodus shared a, you know, had Kirk Hammett for a little while.
3: Yeah. But yeah, that was, was that was, was before.
2: Yeah, but they, you know, that 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 was the, the link between like the big four, and then who else came close to that level of success? And I think that might have helped them be kind of one of like the you know, somebody who came close to those those big four.
3: I got you. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. I, I follow. But anyway, so
2: the testament <laughs> to just like better Metallica.
3: You think so? That's a pretty bold statement.
1: Uh, Alex Skolnick or Kirk Hammond? Depends on what what era of Metallica <laughs> I guess you're talking about. I mean, I feel like the first few Testament albums are pretty on par with like Metallica's '80s albums. I mean, they're they're really fucking similar, actually. Like if you listen to them, like the vocals and the and the riffs are are really similar. Like, so
3: yeah, definitely. Well,
2: like legacy is isn't very Metallica sounding, in my opinion. That was their first album. I think that one kind of that's why I think that one that's why that one stands out so much to me.
1: Maybe it's just Chuck
2: Billy's vocals. Kind of, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, Alex Skolnick is on, on like a whole separate.
1: Like, oh yeah, he's a way better guitarist. No, you're
2: right. can it? Day of the Beast talks <laughs> shit about it. Kirk Hammett at nine, nine o'clock.
3: That's right, so we got. He's we got to try to get talk. a got to try to get a hot take you know get 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 his attention so uh
2: need s- something spicy that's what the <laughs> that's podcasters <right>. are-
3: <laughs> Well um guys I don't know what else to say about this record um but oh no no wait wait did I go into the yeah I did I already asked you about that I was going to ask you about the well no no all right so there's a there's uh what's what's the fucking Steve Harris the other Steve this one's for you it has and i'm trying to remember what the fuck i read i'm going to have to look it on uh, look on the fucking screen here which i never have to do but i'll have to do it the um the album the name is taken from the novel the novel the wells of hell what what the f- what is that would tell me tell me about that i don't i don't know anything about it i just want to i want to know we're it's a book I
0: picked up in
2: a thrift store, and it had a cool cover and a cool title. And I read it, and it was just—it was fantastic. It was kind of—it—it it started off with these like microscopic organisms infecting the water supply of a small town, and then they like evolved into this whole these like seven-foot like arthropod crab-like crustacean-like killing machines who would who could like summon these floods with telekinesis, so they could. Possess humans and fucking turn their skin into fucking fucking shells and carapaces. I guess that's how you say it. I'm not a fucking a biologist. Somebody will probably correct me on that one.
3: Don't worry. No then, biologists yeah, just, listen to this. And they
2: just, yeah, they turn <laughs> humans into kind of their own kind, and it's all part of this big plot to get revenge on humans for shunning them down back into the fucking back into, like, the deep caverns of the ocean because they used to live on land, but they shut them back down to the deep caverns of the ocean so they come back for revenge. And believe it or not, the last part of the book is, like, the fucking main character fighting Satan in, like, an underground cavern. So it gets out of control <laughs> really fucking quickly.
3: <laughs> is that is that, some, is that like a is that a new book? Is that something somebody wrote, like, in it the... Was,
2: it was written in the 70s. He's, okay. he's written a lot of stuff, but I'm tracking down a lot more of his material because I really dug what he did.
3: That's interesting. That's funny. That's the, that. That seems like well, it seems like you got. Is is this is? Are you settled in your approach to um, lyrical themes and inspirations? Like, it, it, I, like I know you said you did the one song on your own, but is this kind of the idea for the day of the beast? Is that lyrically from here and forever to just do based off of novels?
2: As far as like the, the band's core and themes and just like total foundation as a whole yeah 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 like it's, ne- it's never swayed past the straight up like gut-wrenching horror aspect of the lyrical themes or anything fucking the annihilation of the human race is always fun to sing about especially <laughs> you know i work in the service industry so there's just days where i'm dealing with a customer and i'm just kind of looking at them and i'm they're saying words and I'm just like staring at them, just imagining thousands of ways for me to kill them. <laughs> so it's a good like Annihilation Prayer. That's kind of a a version of my usual thought process when I'm dealing with one of these kind of shitheads. So yeah, that that I draw inspiration from things like that too and just horror movies and books and the places my imagination takes me.
3: Well, I can't imagine. I've never had to work a service industry, and I'm glad I haven't because uh, it sounds miserable. And I think everybody I know has a similar uh, disposition. Uh, who does? So I feel the for things it. like
2: this make it easier. Good. It really,
3: though. <laughs> good, good. Well, well. I know it's only been out a week, um, and I'm glad you guys have heard good things so far. And uh, as you should, because the record is very cool. Um, i guess i guess there's a lot to come you've already it's already been like you said fifteen years and uh you guys are, are now on your fourth full length uh you mentioned there's a there's a um record release show but is there any any plans for things outside of that is is it expected that you guys be touring anytime soon or ever
1: i would say yes i mean we're we're gonna try we're gonna I mean, the thing right now is, like, everyone is touring. Yeah, everyone's yeah. booking tours. Everyone's booking venues. It's, like, hard to even find, like like Steve was saying, like, it's hard to even just find a venue right now to play a show, like, one show. <laughs> right. But uh, I would say next year we'll have some cool tours booked. Uh, I mean, you know, we're all old, and um, some of us have kids, and... Uh, not Steve or I. Like we don't have kids, but like the other guys have kids, so we can only take you know a few weeks off at a time. But uh, yeah, look for us on the road. I mean, I feel like we'll do something uh, cool either late this year or next year sometime.
3: Early. Awesome. Well, I'm not far from you guys, so hopefully, I can catch you somewhere down in the Maryland area um maybe on one of those shows in Frederick, Baltimore, DC, whatever. Those that used to be my old area. So we used to we played in uh, Detroit, like well, I was like shit, 9 years ago now. <laughs>
1: uh you said you're in Michigan, right?
3: No, no, no. I said I oh, by... wait. <laughs> I'm in, I'm in Pennsylvania.
1: You know I had an interview last night of a guy who was in Michigan.
3: Well, that guy sucks. <laughs>
1: And that's why, that's why I was thinking that. <laughs> yeah. No, you know, no. I had, I had a few beers. So.
3: Yeah. oh well. What, what, all right, let's before we uh, before we end this. What are you drinking? You don't want to know. Yeah, I do. It's
1: really exciting and new, and no one's ever heard of it. It's called uh Miller Lite. Right right
3: hey, yeah, you, that used to be. Uh, that was that used to be on my list. It's off. It's now. actually. I mean, I drink a lot of like craft beer and a bunch of like.
1: I really am, really like a lot of German beer. But uh, Miller Lite's kind of like my go-to if I go by like a 7-Eleven and there's nothing else to choose from. So I'm just like, oh, I'll grab a six-pack of Miller Lite.
3: That's that's fair. That's an yeah. okay light beer. I, Usually st-
2: I would be drinking Miller Lite, but tonight I'm drinking Bacardi Silver and Green Apple Monster because I'm 19. <laughs> <laughs> that
1: actually sounds fucking delicious, dude.
3: It does sound good, but it sounds terrible. I'm trying to watch my carbohydrate intake. <laughs> well, I got to. I got to uh, join in myself. Well, I drank as we were talking a what's called a crevasse double IPA. So I, I feel like the the uh, the hipster here. Um, yeah, I, that's I fin- way too many IPAs. I finished <laughs> that one, and then uh, now I'm uh, been drinking a uh, imperial. IPA and this is nine percent, an eight percent. Anything with
1: imperial in front of it, you're getting
3: fucked up. I did an eight point three, and now this one's a nine. So that's a good, that's a good way to end the night, right? Sure,
1: that yeah. like a great way.
3: To end the night. <laughs> yeah. All right, fellas, uh, thank you for taking the time to have this conversation. I really enjoy the new record. I enjoy Dude, the thanks. band.
1: Dude, thank you for having us, man. It was fun.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, good luck out there. I hope uh, I don't know. Hope all good things.
1: We're doing our best. Thank you,
3: man. All right. Thank you. Take care, fellas.
1: Hey, you, too. you too. See ya. Thanks.
3: So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, that was my conversation with the fellas in the Day of the Beast the song you just heard was Enter the Witch House. It has a very cool video, which, of course, we talked about that you can find online wherever you can find music videos you know the place to go it's called youtube my daughter just had a birthday we gave her a youtube cake because that's what she wanted a cake that had the youtube logo on it god damn was that sad it's a very disappointing moment for me as a father but it's also very exciting that i have an eight-year-old daughter anyway um that's going to be it for this week getting it out.net on the way as always you can always count on the fact that it's always coming eventually on Facebook, getting underscore it underscore out underscore podcast and facebook.com slash getting it out podcast. That's where you can keep up with everything that's happening here. I'm going to end this one from Death Metal Master, Cerebral Rot. They just put out this this killer album that I'm sure you've heard by now. So we're a couple weeks behind on that. But this song is called Vile Yolk of Contagion. You can get it from 20 Buck Spin Records. Go find it now. But first, listen to this track.